You're careful not to taint that, but you're willing to conceal this. You said taint. Drop it. Duncan and both come correct. Everyone seems to think that like like that Scottish people are just a universal just these great people that are very welcoming and all the rest. It's, it's not. It's, you're misinterpreting our hostility towards everyone, including ourselves. <laughs> right. Like if, if there weren't so much self-hatred going on, they could externalize it more. Yeah, pretty much. And, it's and a then, constant battle. There's a balance, a fine balance here. And if, you know, if it ever just takes one way or the other, then, then there's going to be hell of people. Um, oh, they'll eventually take over the world. You people. <laughs> You people. You people. The Scottish. No, Can't. one of the descendants of a Scots in your White House right now, so how's uh, that working out for you? That's what happens when Scots breed as well. You know, with Americans, that's why we're not allowed to They get they get like the down the line multiplicity version. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You get you get what what I can't remember what they called them in that. But it keeps referring to everyone as Steve. <laughs> right. I I think of anyone like that now as just a Dougie. Oh, Dougie. Uh, God bless you. <sighs> I... <laughs> All right, so I'm excited to talk about this episode, Duncan. <laughs> this is a goofy ball of fucking nonsense. It It is, but it is, it also feels like uh, strangely a return to form. Um, oh, yeah. We, yeah. Uh, this, this, to me, is the epitome of the... Like, see, when we're talking about the more ludicrous this show gets, the more fun we're going to have. This this ticks those boxes. Yeah, I I really I'm into it. Um, it in a way that I didn't expect almost. Um, mm-hmm. but uh, hey everyone, welcome to. <laughs> oh yeah, we've not done that yet. <laughs> yeah, we should introduce the show. Sometimes we just start talking. Um, this is Duncan and Bo. Uh, come correct in its current incarnation. Duncan and Bo go to the X Files. Our continuing look, uh, our, our investigation into the goings-on of the X-Files. Um, you could argue that the last episode uh, was uh, not of this show, but of the X-Files. This show, the last episode, was fantastic, Duncan. It's fucking gold, boy. It was just cover-to-cover, Midas-touched. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> that's why, why it's the number one show on the internet. It is the number one downloaded podcast on iTunes, which is the which is the slightly less successful, depending on what realm you are. Yeah, like if you're in the Ukraine, iTunes yeah, is iTunes. all you can get. Yeah, see if you're in the Black Lodge, number one most downloaded show. Duncan and Bo come correct. Yep, a hundred percent Black Lodge adjacent. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah, the, uh, so or as we're, we like to call that the Ukraine, apparently. On the show. <laughs> yeah, I'm, there's gotta be a door to the Black Lodge somewhere in the Ukraine. I don't know if they've got electricity, Bo. <laughs> don't, don't need it. Don't need it. Lewis and Clark didn't need it. Duncan. Mm-mm. Uh, oh man, just getting the deep weeds on mytho- <laughs> Twin Peaks mythology right off the bat. Let's just alienate there, as many bro. people as possible. Um. <laughs> They're like, man, we skipped that entire Twin Peaks run because we don't know shit about the Twin Peaks mm-hmm. uh, or the Peaks, as I like to the call peaks. it. Yeah. Um, and and also don't care 
and uh, now all these assholes are talking about his Twin Peaks. It's that's not right. What, Fuck you, listener. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, that's not the way I was going with it. I was going the other way of like, hey, we ought to focus on uh, the X-Files. Right, you can do the nice, pleasant way. I'll do the Scottish way. Oh, yeah. All good copper listeners is what you're saying. <laughs> good, good <cop>. Okay. <laughs> good, good cop. All right. Well, good cop Scott. <laughs> so that's did you say good cop Scott? Yeah, that's it. You're the good cop and I'm the Scott. Now it just sounds like a British television series, like a procedural <laughs> about <laughs> a, a Bobby named Scott. <laughs> What, what? I'm good cop, Scott. <laughs> the term Bobby slightly changed in Scotland to Bobby means your dick. Like a, a, Bubby? A slang term. Yeah. Like, like a U instead of an O sound? Uh, B-O-A-B-Y. Bobby. <laughs> Bobby. <laughs> now you sound like you're from the Black Lodge, Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> What hobby is this? Uh, see, this is what I was talking about. This is what, like, this is not what people paid for. Paid good, hard internet dollars to hear. Not a bunch of <laughs> Twin Peaks nonsense. They want to hear X Files nonsense. However, pimping our new product, uh, what Bobby is this? Is a new board game brought to you by DBCC. It's only for adults, and it does require an abundance of male dong. Yeah, uh, it's basically a paper sack with a <laughs> hole cut in the bottom. <laughs> it's fun for all ages, but only adults. Yes. Yeah. So. <laughs> oh, amazing. <laughs> you can send $50 to Duncan Abo, come correct. Yeah, uh, they, they just don't, let's just finish it there. Yeah, yeah, fine. <laughs> Just send it. Yeah, just send it. Like, write that on the envelope, preferably in crayon. The the, <laughs> the post office is going to respond much more quickly if it looks like it's in the uh, the scrawling gibberish of the deranged. Of a child. Of a child. Oh, yeah, or the deranged. Either one. This, this child's letter must make its way to DBCC stat. Also, if you can use actual feces as your milieu uh, oh. when writing... That is also going to get it here quicker. Yeah, no one's going to want to carry that around for a while. No, no. Uh, oh, duh, you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so we're talking on this show, Duncan, about the, uh, the the television program, The X-Files, now in its 11th season. Yes. Uh, we'll be talking about Le- the uh, <laughs> second episode of the 11th season tonight entitled This... Yeah, that's what, that's what it's called. Is this? I kind of feel like someone submitted that script without finishing the header. Hey, AKA, this is what I'm talking about, Duncan. Ooh, uh-huh. nice, boy, nice. That's why the, we're the number one show on the internet. Um, number one, iTunes. iTunes, <laughs> yeah. Five stars. <laughs> and if you're hearing this, then visit our sponsor, Black Lodge Travel. have you ever wanted to go to a place that's nothing but curtains and weird carpet yep ever wanted to walk in as a dale and wake up as a richard ever wanted to tickle a brain on a tree
<laughs> sign up for our special let me touch it package mm-hmm. and you'll get to do just that you can get your first free first free tutelage with a personal tutor in the game of bob ball speaking of bob if you want to swim with the bob eggs there <laughs> be sure you sign up months in advance also there will be handicapped children in the pool yeah behave What's yeah you're doing? yeah no now much like real dolphins the bob eggs will try to take off your pants and hump you they will they will but i guarantee at the end of your trip with black lodge travel you'll be asking yourself is this the future or is it the past just send a million dollars to <laughs> duncan and Vogue. come correct finish it there bo finish it there don't go <laughs> Envelope right. crayon. Yep, done. Yep. Um, <laughs> before we talk about the X-Files, which is clearly what we're talking about, um, <laughs> uh, we like to uh, discuss what we've been watching uh, over the past week. And uh, usually one good, one bad. Uh, I certainly have one of each, Duncan. Oh, interesting. Bo Ransdell. Yeah, uh, but you know, let uh, ceremony demands, Duncan, <laughs> that I shut the fuck up and you go first. Well, let's kick us off with the bad, and you kind of mentioned this on your fantastic live stream, uh, which goes out on Mondays on the the Legion Podcast Facebook group page. Um, you you put out your um, your morbid Monday. Yeah, and, um, you did mention that I had went to the cinema. Indeed, uh, you had. Yeah, to check out the new Insidious movie, Insidious Part Four, aka the the last key or lost key or the skeleton key. I think is what it's called, starring Kate Hudson. <laughs> better movie, um, much better movie. Uh, yeah. Now, in the interest of fairness. And I know you kind of did a similar, um, similar unloading of Bo's hot takes um, on your your live stream about nothing, your nothing but hot takes on that live. Stream, it was you were just like you were just going for it, man. I loved it. It's like Bo's really trying to shake them up and or lose viewers. <laughs> Both at the same time, list. if I can. Yeah, I, I, I I'm playing 3D chess, Duncan. It's a lot of complicated shit going on. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I'm not a big fan of the Insidious movies. I would say it's safe to say I like them more than you like them, though. Yeah, I think uh, I the, like the second one. I think the second yeah, one actually. I, like I think the second one knows exactly what it is and is a over the top, ridiculous, campy camp fest, uh, <clears throat> which to me is what the Insidious movies should be because that first movie. And I think we both agree in this is two thirds of a really, really, really good, tight, mm-hmm. suspenseful, scary little movie, and then the last third is this kind of pantomime. Oh, let's go into the further, and you know, it, it, right. it didn't. It didn't work tonally. It didn't work for me. So it, I loved it it's that. like the director challenged himself by boring the shit out of the audience for twenty <laughs> minutes before ending the movie. Like, well, I love the- is the first hour good enough <laughs> to sustain 20 minutes of total boring garbage and then let's 10 minutes? <laughs> yeah, let's see. 
Let's see. That's the level I operate at. I'm going to bury my movie and then pull it out. And in fairness, the reason I really liked the second movie is because he just gave us the campy pantomime thing for the full movie. The full movie was like that. And I was like, well, at least you've tonally, you've stuck to one particular tone. It's not the greatest, but it, it feels more like a cohesive movie than the previous one. Then the third one come along and I, I've said many times, I don't understand. I struggle with prequels. I really struggle with prequels, especially when the prequel demands us to spend time with characters that I know are alive in the first movie, but kind of right. set up a perilous situation, which makes the audience want to think, will our characters survive? Yes, obviously. Um, and the fourth one is also a prequel. So... So it's technically a sequel to the third movie, but a prequel to the second movie or the first. I think it's the first movie. It's a prequel to the first movie. So it's set like a couple of months before Insidious, and it's a frustrating movie. It's very, very, very frustrating in that I like the characters. I think Lynchy's brilliant. I could spend. I'm glad that she's now the vehicle for that movie because I enjoy spending time with her. She looks like she's having a ball, and to be honest with you, she's a hardworking genre actress who really deserves a bit of recognition, a bit of money. And if this is the vehicle to allow her to do it, fair play, Elin. You go ahead, right? <clears throat> what I struggle with is one. It's still a prequel, and they're setting up perilous situations again. Which ones? It means nothing to me. Never do I feel like any of these characters are not going to make their way to the end of this movie, because I know they will, right? Um, But the movie starts off with this really intense 10 minutes. Um, It starts off with Lynchy as a a child. And I will say there are some mild spoilers here, so you might want to jump ahead a couple of minutes if you don't want to hear anything about Insidious Part 4. So we kind of find her origin story, and I found it creepy. I thought it was really cool. It was really cool. It kind of fit somewhere in with the kind of um, Annabelle creation, you know, the the Ouija origins, like that sort of vibe. I was like, this is really cool. I I, I kind of dig this. And then it slips into this really ponderous. Lynchy is going to confront her demons, and she needs to confront her demons before she can become this like badass fucking paranormal investigator that we find in Insidious and there is a really interesting villain uh, the, the kind of creature with the keys is really interesting we just don't see a whole lot of them there is a reveal in the middle of this movie which I was like that that's your movie and you've just discarded that and after the knowledge of this this thing coming out this changes everything in the series and no one's acknowledging it don't tell um, me what it is don't tell you or do tell you tell me Tell me. So, so Lynchy basically finds out that her, like, she abandons her, her, her mother dies. She is, un- unfortunately, unlocks this door to the, the supernatural world in the basement. Um, this red door that we've seen in some of the further clips and some of the other movies. And releases this creature that basically has all these keys in her fingers and tries to kidnap people and imprison them. And uh, this creature uses her to kill her mother. So our, our father, who was already a bit abusive, becomes super abusive, and she runs out um, after she thinks she sees a ghost, uh, and her dad tries to beat that out of her. So she leaves her brother with her, her very abusive father. Um, but when she comes back to the house, 
like later on, and there's a whole story revealed that there's now a serial killer in, in this house that's killing women. Um, she finds that the woman that she she saw that she thought was a ghost was actually a real woman that her dad had imprisoned in the basement and then murdered after she ran away. But that didn't. That's not where it stopped. Her dad was like one of the most prolific serial killers. There's this like tunnel just full of suitcases with fucking women's skulls in them, and I'm like, that your dad is one of the most prolific serial killers of all time. Your character can no longer operate as an ordinary person. That, that, <laughs> right. shit, that shit carries with you into that first movie. Like, emotionally damaged and scarred. You left your brother with the worst serial killer in American history. But they just, they don't, they show you it and they don't mention it again. Especially if, like, the original Insidious takes place a couple of months later. Yeah, it's a couple of months later. Then, like, why is she not, like, I am really going through some shit right now. Everything I thought I knew about my family was wrong. Yep. Everything I understood about myself was wrong. I am now plagued with guilt yep. and horror and shame and confusion. Currently working on my new book deal. <laughs> you know, certainly <laughs> I've got I've got talk shows to do. Yeah. Uh in fact, uh I've got a whole thumb drive full of pictures of the skull suitcase. They are struggling to make ends meet. In that first Insidious movie, living from paycheck to paycheck. Nah, not when your father is the fucking suitcase skull killer, right? That's, you know, like, like it is so, like, that, that detail dropped and I was like, what the fuck? And I was like, right. Like, and why is nobody being like, oh, are you the, the daughter we saw in the news of the Cleveland headhunter or whatever they call him? <laughs> it was just unbelievable. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's a just, big bomb to drop. Just a fucking throwaway item in this movie. Just All right. throw away. Like, two months later, she's still... Any other scenario, two months later, she's still sitting with the FBI, police, like, counselors. <laughs> going through all this. Or maybe, maybe, Bo, she's trying to, with her, her psychic abilities, hunt down all the women who are dead in that, you know, like, to give them final rest. Right. Uh, yeah. No, 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 no. That doesn't happen. We just fuck it. Disregard it's fine. it. It's fine. I mean, it was a long time ago, Duncan. Who cares? F- five minutes into this movie, something happens, and I turned around to my friend that was that, that we went to see it, and I turned around and I smiled, and I was like, "That I am going to put down cold hard cash that that is what she used to defeat the villain at the end." And I was right. Um, it's just a really generic, really boring horror movie that tries to add ideas. Tries to keep changing the mythology, and every time you do that in a prequel, it undermines the first movie. You can't do that, you know. What I mean, it's, you're trying to give us, you're trying to put too much meat on the bone, so to speak. But it, it doesn't fit, it, you know. It, does, it, it just it undermines that first movie. I now, I, I, if I ever look at that first movie again, it just won't make any fucking sense to me when I'm introduced to Lynch's character. It's just not going to make sense. So, yeah, it was it was an incredible, but I think she's really good in it. I, I like Tucker and Specs. I think they're real, in fact, they are full-on comedy characters in this movie, and I actually think it's, it's really funny, but it's Lee Winnell that is writing these movies now. He directed the previous one, but he wrote this one, and they gave it to the director who did um, oh, that that found footage movie that I really liked with the the woman with Alzheimer's, Deborah Logan. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's yeah, Deborah Logan a great movie, director yeah. that did it. 
And the directions, all right, is just a ponderous exercise <clears throat> in trying to keep... You You mentioned a really funny thing on your... Well, it was actually a really serious thing that I totally agreed with, uh, but I smiled when I heard you, you mention it, which is why I'm saying it's funny. It wasn't funny. Where you basically said that certain movies become vehicles to make money. Certain franchises, it's at a point where, well, this is a no-brainer. You know, we'll just keep putting these out because they make money. And until they stop making money, we're just going to keep putting them out. And that's Insidious. Insidious doesn't make huge amounts of money, but it more than doubles its return each time. You know, they're they're fairly inexpensive to make. They're easy to market. um, And they put these movies out, and they always do good business. And that's where we are now. Um, And unfortunately, the, the result of that is less focus has been spent now on trying to create tension and atmosphere um, and more is just spent on let's try and link it to this and let's try and be smart about things and yeah the more smart they try and be the more they undermine things uh, yeah it was not a good horror movie um, but I'm kind of torn because I think the cast is really good I just think the story is bad um, so yeah it's, it, it was it was more than a disappointment actually I had slightly higher hopes for it um, and the only good thing that might come out of this is we might finally get that that uh, instalment that's set after the second movie, which ended on this fucking huge cliffhanger of her seeing she's dead, and the, spoiler alert, uh, by the end of the second movie, and she sees this apparition of something, and she says, oh, this thing, you know, this is the ultimate evil, and then I was like, right, I can't wait for the next movie, because the next movie will face off against that, no, we're going back? Fuck me? Alright, oh, well, fuck me then. I'll just sit here and it, it just it's annoying. It's it's a really, really annoying franchise and to me it's one of the, the chinks in the armor for um for Blumhouse. Because I think Blumhouse on the whole has been doing really good stuff. And I think the insidious movies are kinda it's kinda that ugly child that they have to bring out every now and again. Um because they know they'll get sympathy. Uh and that's what they're doing with it. I'd much rather they spent time making less insidious movies and more movies like Get Out. I mean, you're not getting any arguments out of me, Duncan. Mm. Uh, I'm on board. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I obviously I haven't seen the movie, but everything you were saying sounds exactly like what I expect that movie to be. Yeah. Which is, how do we make another one of these? I don't know. How about a prequel? Okay, what about? I don't know. How about a serial killer? Okay. Yeah. It's, <laughs> you know, it's, just I mean, a lot so of many, that. There's so many concepts in it that I thought, well, that, that's your story. And it's like, no, that's just part of the story. And I'm like, no, that's your whole movie. That, you know, spend a bit of time flesh that out. That's a really interesting idea. No, we're not going to do that. And like I say, as soon as that revelation come up about the serial killing dad, um, I was just like, what, what are we doing now? Why are we not? Are we not going to discuss this? It's yeah. It's yeah. So... It's it's the heavy spice that yeah. like once you dump it into the food, that's all you taste for a while. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, a serial killer. Like my dad's a serial killer. Super heavy spice for a paranormal movie that's not about the fact that your father's a serial killer. Yeah. Like if that's the thing, that becomes what your movie is about. Totally. It's, it's just uh, frustrating. Um, uh, the good movie, and I'll spend very little time talking about this because my 
most recent episode of Podcast Under the States covers it. Uh, checked out Candyman for the first time in about four years. It's a fucking great movie. Maybe, maybe the best Clive Barker adaptation. It's been a while since I've seen it too. I can't. I I, I would hesitate to even comment on it at this point. It's- because I mean, I, I need to go back Hellraiser. and watch it. I yeah. do love Hellraiser. I think Hellraiser is a fucking great movie, and obviously Barker directs that. Um, and it's Bernard Rose, I think that's the guy's name, who does Candyman, and he obviously changes quite a lot of the details from the short, the, the short novel um, or the short story, so to speak. Um, but to me, you've got a massive Philip Glass score, which totally works. You've got this that kind of early nineties. You know the aesthetic of the early nineties when you think of movies like uh, it's the cold palette of movies like Jacob's Ladder, you know, uh, Silence of the Lambs. You know, it's like all these kind of industrial. It's just everything feels cold. It's this rejection of the eighties neon over the top colors that you get when we switch into the into the the early nineties. Um, but I think the cast is just great. I think Virginia Madsen is really good in that movie and. It always surprised me that she didn't go on to much bigger things. Although she did have a, she still has a pretty good career. I mean, one of the delights of seeing Better Watch Out was just to see her in that movie just for a little bit and see her be really funny. Um, was pretty awesome. But yeah, it, I think it's when I think of the, the Barker adaptations, I think Hellraiser is definitely near the top. Um, I think Nightbreed is definitely near the top as well, but it's got a lot of complications. And I do love Lords of Illusions, and Midnight Matrons are right, and Dread's pretty cool. Uh, Books of Blood is not a good movie. And yeah, I was like, that Candyman might be the best. Might be the top of that tree. Um, and you, uh, I like Hellraiser 2 a whole lot, though. It, but he didn't, he didn't direct that, and he only partially wrote it, so... So it's not really, it's based on a Barker work, yeah, for sure, but it's not really, it's not really Barker. Um, So yeah, I I, I don't know, I just think, I think Candyman might be, I think there's like, you could have that argument between, between definitely, um, between Nightbreed, um, Candyman and, and uh, Hellraiser. There's certainly that, that conversation bad. It has made me kind of pine for you know how we're getting this renaissance of Stephen King at the moment? Kind of want that attention to, to move to Clive Barker. There's a few of his novels, I think. Um, I always come back to the Damnation game, kind of Faustian tale of of a pact with the devil, um, which I think is timeless. I think you can do that story whenever you want. <laughs> so it's devil ad- Devil's Advocate Syndrome. You can make that movie whenever you want and it'll work. Uh, make it now with Donald Trump. Um, so you know what I mean? Uh, I think it's just a great book, and I would love to see that. I think you could. There's plenty to mine in there, but just some of his other stuff, some of his more kind of fantastical things, I would love to see like a, like a Netflix, like turn their attention and, and do some adaptations of, of some some of Barker's content because he's he's got a, a rich catalog there that kind of kind of needs to be adapted for the screen. I, I would love to see the Abarat series finally make its way. Uh, and I know almost but I'm, Disney bought the the rights to I think the first book and then that all fell through. So make that in a series. I think you can make a really interesting series out of that. And there's a there's a, an audience now of people that have you know grown up reading Harry Potter books that are now at the age that they could easily transition into something like Abarat. So yeah, Candyman's real good. I'm going to shut up now, Bo. I talked a lot even when I said I wasn't. What have you seen, Good and Bad? 
I, uh, I, I watched the, um, speaking of Annabelle creation, finally caught up to that movie. Hmm. And, uh, Duncan, I am not ashamed to admit that movie scared me a little. It's, it it's was, su- it's, it's legit creepy. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's surprisingly good. The only, thing I, the only thing I didn't like about it was I, I felt the ending was a bit ham-fisted to try and fit it into that first movie. And I'd much rather they didn't do that. But out with that, that movie is respectable in a way that it shouldn't be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's very much a, uh, you know, like the first movie is so not, I mean, that that's one that, sidesteps mediocre and go straight to bad yeah it's it's the this is what i'm saying this there seems to this is what blumhouse does which makes me really frustrated but at the same time kind of interested is they put out these shitty first movies and then they go you know what will elevate ouija we'll give it to mike flanagan and then mike flanagan surprise surprise turns that mediocre <laughs> like that mediocre material and makes it into really good horror movie and then they did the same. I can't remember the. I can't remember who the director is. Uh, David J. Sandberg, I think is his name. It's the Lights Out guy. Yeah, so they give it to the Lights Out guy. Lights Out, pretty good, creepy horror movie. Um, they give it to him, and guess what? That guy manages to craft a really interesting, creepy horror movie. So it's like the. It's like they, they do this kind of material, and it goes out there, and it makes a bit of money, and all the rest. And then they're like, right, it, well, it wasn't really well received, so let's give it to a better director. Um, and it's frustrating because I'd much rather the better director got first crack at it. Um, but that's obviously not how Blumhouse works. Blumhouse works on the premise that you you bring the idea to them and then they finance the movie. Um, but yeah, it's, it's uh, yeah. There are a couple of bits in that that there were a couple of bits with that room that they go into uh, and with certain toys that were gen, which was genuinely creepy to me. And I was sitting in the cinema going. I don't like this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it was when I watched it, like I watched it at home at night, you know, in the recliner, just I had the blanket, uh, you know, it, it's been chilly here. So it's kind of like perfect. 70 or something. Have you aged like 20 years since I, you podcasted? No, I mean, are you telling me you, you, you do not own a recliner? No. Oh, Duncan, just treat yourself a little bit in life. Scots um, don't like to be comfy. No, I, but, but like it's been like super cold here, so it's it, it's kind of perfect weather just to throw the blanket on and mm-hmm. you know curl up kind of thing. And uh, so I watched Annabelle Creation in that setting, expecting <laughs> nothing, and and then I was like, I might have to turn on a light. Like it legit <laughs> creeped me out. Did the blanket start going closer and closer to your eyes, boy? Yeah, dude, there was a, a quick shot of the um, the little girl before she gets all possessed. Spoilers. Mm-hmm. Um, she uh, is looking at a photograph and the eyes of the girl in the picture are glowing. Mm-hmm. And, and like she thinks it is and then she kind of moves it into a shadow so that the glow really stands out. And it was like, ugh. <laughs> like that, it, it's a small detail, and it's not anything that's necessarily crucial to the story. But it's just another of those little moments in a good horror film yeah. that just adds mood and atmosphere. You can and tell it, that did did lights out because he plays with shadows and darkness yeah. a lot in that movie, and he's really fucking good at it. 
Yeah. Oh, the stuff of like the little girl walking into the shadow and the eyes rising off the floor mm-hmm. and stuff. Oh, Duncan. Mm-hmm. That's good old fashioned scary. That's good old fashioned horrible. <laughs> right. It and, and, and it does feel very traditional uh, in a lot of ways, and I like that. I mean, it it, it it's a very satisfying, you know, entertaining horror experience it's like i wouldn't i wouldn't say that you know when i look at the movies that landed on my top 10 list last year even if i had seen annabelle creation i don't know that it would have cracked it just because i don't think that annabelle creation has the the subtext that a lot of the other films did Mm -hmm. short of something like 1922 Mm -hmm. um that that I think would have been the battle is two movies that are really good at being just pure ghost stories mm-hmm. without muddying the waters too much with trying to say something all philosophical and important. And I I think I still would have gotten 1922. So yeah, yeah, I think, but I mean, it would have been a fight. Good, yeah, good call on that one. But yeah, no, I thought it was it was it was a a joy to see that movie. I saw it in the cinema and like I say, it creeped me out in the cinema. It terrified the audience that I was in with. Um, like just really, really terrified them, which like, if you're, if you're a bit of a, you know, like a horror pervert, like I am, I get off on that. I get off on other people getting scared. Um, and I said, man, the more that people are getting scared in a movie, the more, especially when as a seasoned horror fan, you can see some of the scares coming. What I like about Annabelle uh, creation is that even though I could see certain scares coming up, what they did with those scares were like, oh, right. <laughs> yeah, it, it, they always tried to kind of zag instead of zig mm-hmm. on some some traditional setups. And yeah, it, it legitimately good. Um, hey, let's talk about something that wasn't. Uh, <laughs> have, we, have we discussed the dark tapes yet? We have not, but I didn't like it. I think that movie is super stupid. Um, yeah, I think that movie has an incredible, incredible budget for marketing on Facebook because that's all I saw for about three months up until I watched it was people mark one of the scariest fan footage movies ever made. Uh, and I watched it, and it is a big old bag of mediocre dumb. Yeah, a big old bag of mediocre dumb is right, Duncan. Um, that movie is like, even I was going to say it's a lot of flash, (laughs) but it's not really good at flash either. It's just like, I'd kind of heard the same things. Like every now and again, I'll go down the bowels of Reddit, (laughs) uh, and just be like, hit the, their horror community and just be like, what are people talking about? Like, what are, what are people recommending and stuff like that? Um, you know how it is. You're always looking for that next fix. Of course. Duncan. Um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why. It's getting warm in here. Uh, yeah, right. Like, kind of Rodney Dangerfield. Jeez. Oh. <laughs> um, I don't even know why you would be offended. Yeah, all right. Um, but uh, w- so somebody was recommending Lovecraftian films and had uh, on their list the dark tapes. And I, you know, As like a Lovecraft. you, I, I know, I know, Duncan. Um, but so, but I'd also heard the same shit you had heard, where you know people were popping up and being like, "Oh no, the Dark Tapes is actually good." Mm. You know, you ought to check it out. 
fucking liars. Um, <laughs> surprise, so, surprise, someone lied on Reddit. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I finally watched that. And the wraparound, the wraparound I thought started off kind of interesting mm-hmm. and then gets real stupid. <laughs> really quick. Yeah, when it gets, uh, oh, we're in the demon dimension now. It's like, oh, fuck you. It's the same set. <laughs> Ugh. This looks like garbage. And then every story was equally dumb. Like, the only thing dumber than the one story was the next. Yeah. And it by the end of it, it, it was one of those, like, I don't even know what the runtime is on that thing. Probably like 70 minutes or something. But it felt like a goddamn eternity. <laughs> uh but I, I didn't want to give up. I was like, maybe the next one will be better. Which you know? is the problem with anthologies is you think if it's getting good reviews, there's one that must be amazing, and the rest, and we're preconditioned. Right, there's some payoff somewhere in this that, yeah, right. The horror fans were preconditioned that there's you never really watch an anthology, and all of them are great. Uh, and I will sit through a really bad anthology to get one excellent short because I've I've seen that excellent short, and I feel more enriched. Because I've seen that, and no, it doesn't come. Oh, I'll give you one that I watched that you, you recommended fucking ages ago. Should have mentioned this instead of um, uh, instead of Candyman, uh, Savage Land. Yeah, that movie's all right. That movie's good. Yeah, that it's was, interesting. It, it, I can see you mentioned a comparison to Lake Mungo, and I can see why you did that because it, it uses a lot of Lake Mungo technique. Yeah, um, it's not yeah. as good, but no. I found the story really interesting. You know, something that I thought, yeah, I could have this to me feels like it feels like an X Files book. Um, thirdly, like I was, I was captivated. Not a particular long movie. Um, I think it uses the found footage just right. I think it it is it, frustrating in bits in that where Late Mungo has just an incredible cast all round, and everyone feels like a real person. Some of these people felt a bit like actors. Um, out with that, though, I thought I thought it was for a movie I'd never heard of before. Out with you mentioning it, I thought it was a great movie. So yeah, that's that's worth checking out. It's on Amazon Prime in the UK. Yeah, US as well. If uh, unless they've removed it, and yeah, it, it's just a, a a very interesting film, and it, it's definitely got a message. Mm-hmm. But it, I, I don't think it's ever you know, didactic about it or anything. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's interesting. And some of the, like the photography, the, the fake photography is kind of creepy. I was uh, one bit that, that really was like super effective. And it's a little girl who's reaching out and he, it's the only time his hand appears in the camera and he grabs her hand when you see the zombies behind her. Yeah. And that's a, that's powerful, especially as the father of a, like a, almost four-year-old girl that was pretty powerful um i thought that was very there were certain things that i thought that you know the attention to detail there that specifically you've done there is really really well done Uh, and there was other bits a bit more clumsy but yeah overall of the found footage movies i watched last year and there wasn't a whole hell of them one of them was the dark tapes uh you know it it was one of the ones that stood out to me so yeah it was a, a good recommendation no, oh, great. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Um, yeah, and and yeah, so the Dark Tapes is bad. Uh, one other quick shout-out. Uh, I rewatched Electric Boogaloo, uh, which is the documentary about... Canon. Yeah, Canon, so the good. Galang- so Globus. Good. 
It's, oh man, that movie's so fucking entertaining. <laughs> it's, like, I love the whole bit where they they basically publicly acknowledge that yeah, to, uh, Toby Hooper destroyed that company pretty much. <laughs> so they just keep giving them more money to make movies like Life Force, which I love, but Life Force was never going to make money, right? I, I don't know who thought it was, um, but yeah, that's that's a that's I just like you know fuck this. Well, let's, who who do we have? Oh, can, can we get? Can we get Charles Bronson in? Let's get Charles Bronson in. Will he do Death Wish 4? Yeah, of course he'll do Death Wish 4. I'll <laughs> just keep giving him yeah. money. Chuck Norris, like, Delta Force. Amazing. Over, over the top. Like Stallone got paid an enormous amount of money for his arm wrestling epic. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's it, but the way that that stuff is presented in the film, like it's always kind of lighthearted because you know, this story ends in tragedy, Oh yeah. <laughs> but also the movies are hilarious on, on, on a number of levels, you know? Uh, and, and especially who was it? Was it MGM or somebody that had a, a distribution deal with yeah. them? <laughs> and they were like, we got to knock this off. Like we can't put these movies out anymore. Like we're a fucking real studio. We can't put out, Death Wish 4. It goes to show, you know? though, how... how Maybe back then as well, um, less now, that if you have the drive and you have the will and you you have the image, even if it's not true, but you can portray this image, people will very, very easily buy into it in the entertainment industry. Oh, these guys exude success, so they must be a success. Just you know, right? And and the, but you but the thing is, it's even the people that are working with them know it's all bullshit. But they can have to play the game and just go through with it. Uh, it's just it's so fascinating how big they got from a couple of guys that knew nothing except they wanted to do some movies. It's just crazy, crazy. Like and yeah, I remember. The thing about that is, like, you you did not grow up in the eighties. If you didn't see at least one canon movie, yeah, I, mean, oh, yeah. I remember that logo better than most logos that appeared on VHS rentals. It was that canon logo? Uh, I mean, you look at the movie; they, they were involved with everything, and it was every genre, and it was every it was just the most ridiculous shit ever. And I think that documentary, like you say, when you're starting off with the premise, everything burned to the ground. Uh, <laughs> Let's go back and show you how it <laughs> Right. Yeah. I mean it's the the uh you know, forensic arson examiner going through the house and telling you like, oh, they used an accelerant here. It was called life force. <laughs> and then here's here's where the fire started. They, this was called the apple. <laughs> yeah. It, like that stuff. But there's also that Ed Wood layer of mm-hmm. like they they legitimately wanted to make movies, but the you know making a good movie was kind of a beyond their grasp, but it yeah. never stopped them from trying. It's, and it's it's, it's it's great. You can see the ones like the ones that have longevity and the ones that are successful are the ones that play the game like Corman. Like Corman wrote the book on longevity, and it was like this is how much money we have to like give me the premise right the premise is ridiculous but let's advertise that premise and here is your very limited budget go and make the movie no and you won't get any extra money that's how much you have to make that movie and it forced these directors to do that and no one could take the piss you had to do that and the movie would go out and if it wasn't successful you would get your money back definitely because they cost so little to make 
um, that you would move on to the next project and you would just keep churning them out. And Canon was like that, except they were paying so much money <laughs> for their movies that if they'd been frugal with things, Canon would still be around now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's you're right. It's the Corman model, only they fucked it up. It's why it's why uh, Blumhouse is so successful. Is they, yeah. they do not negotiate on their cost. That is the cost, and that's how much you have to make that movie. Um, and your advertising is flung in on that, and go make your movie. And that's why pretty much everything they've ever put out has yielded success because there's not a right. lot of money going into the, the productions, and it's also given the vehicle to talented directors to put things out in between larger studio projects. You know, I can't if you, I'm in Night Shyamalan, I am struggling to do anything because my career is in the toilet. Blumhouse will finance me to do this really small indie horror movie. I will go and do that. Oh, look, all of a sudden, I'm a success again because it didn't cost a lot of money, made a lot of money. Oh, look, bigger project comes along. Um, You know, it's just, to me, it's academic. So, yeah, there we go. That's that's what's wrong with Hollywood, as as said by iTunes' number one podcast, Duncan and Bocum Correct. Not available in America. Not available in America or the UK. Or Europe. Or the the continent of Africa. (laughs) Only available in the Ukraine, twinned with the Black Lodge. Eastern Ukraine, there's basically a a neighborhood. (laughs) But, man, we're big there. Can't walk down the the street. Um, Duncan, (laughs) enough about that nonsense. We have other nonsense to discuss, and that comes in the form of... of, uh, episode two, season eleven of the X Files, uh, in entitled, of course, this. <laughs> um, should totally have a question mark after it. So, yeah, I I like to think that this is the sequel to them. <laughs> it's not spoilers. Oh, dear. They're nary a giant ant to be found, much to my chagrin. Well, there's a couple of things to be excited about this one straight away. And the first one is who it was written and directed by. Yeah, all right. So Glenn Morgan, not Chris Carter. No, thank God. Right. It makes so much difference. Holy shit. I think maybe Chris Carter's can't... Chris Carter's. (laughs) Chris Carter's can't uh, write X-Files episodes no more. He can't. He can't. He can't at all. He's forgotten how to do it. He is... We've said it before. He, we had so many like catchy one-liners in the last episode. I'm struggling to remember them all. But if the if the plot don't fit, Chris Carter's writing shit. Now, um, I believe that's correct. Yes, yeah, that's what I'm saying. He is Kaiser Soze as well. He's a fake. He's a thank, phony. thank you, Darren. By the way, for does one of the be- that's what you call taking the ball and running with it. <laughs> he took that idea and ran with it and produced loved it. Solid gold. But yeah, so Glenn Glenn Morgan, Glenn Fetich, uh, <laughs> Glenn Levitt, sorry, um, dire- wrote and directed this episode. It's more like Glenn Morangi, because it's Glenn Morgan. Balvini. <laughs> just like shouting words out there. Yeah, it's Oshintosh. <laughs> Ochterarder. Uh, Gesundheit. Zing. <laughs> uh, uh, so <laughs> the episode opens teasing me as if maybe Doppel Cooper is, uh, rolling down the road. Mm-hmm. 
because uh, it's it's uh, some Ramones and a car driving. Vanny Lynch and it's like, yeah, it's like fuck. All right, let's get down. And there's kind of this weird looking uh, white haired older dude Bob. who looks like uh, <laughs> kind of like Bob. It looks like a also, Navajo Bob. He could be the roadie for Black Sabbath currently. Yes. Um, Jim the roadie. Jim the roadie. Uh, who's, man, I got some stories to tell you. <laughs> Once saw Ozzy Osbourne consume an entire eel. <laughs> that guy from Wayne's World. <laughs> Ozzy couldn't yeah. the stage without a, a brandy glass filled with brown M&M's. The shopkeeper and his son. That was another story. I had to beat them to death with their own shoes. <laughs> right. So so he is on board uh, with with two other gentlemen. One of uh, one or both of whom I can't remember now are wearing ski masks. Which uh, suggests that they are up to no good. Hoodlums, uh, more hoodlums. Uh, roustabouts. <laughs> or uh, chim chimneys, as they're called. Hooligans. Uh, yeah. Ragamuffins. Oh, nice. Uh, <laughs> so. Thugs. <laughs> um, ne'er do wells. Oh, good one. Good one. Yeah. Shite hitmen. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I mean, if you want to go flowery. Um, <laughs> and uh, Mulder and Scully uh, are trying to forget that the last episode happened <laughs> and are just hanging out on a couch. Yeah, like, like, boy, <laughs> that was fucking nonsense, right? Yeah, the world almost ended. Remember remember when Remember when we... We found out that the world's actually gonna end. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember when? Remember when I got told that I had one choice between helping us go to space and colonize space, or you know, watch my father destroy civilization. That was that was bad. That was in the first episode of the season. Knowing that we still have nine episodes left, that was a bad choice, wasn't it, Scully? Yeah, yeah. Uh, just anyway. And Scully gets way more play in this episode, which is is, uh, certainly... She is kick-ass, boo. She's pretty great. All right, so while they're just kind of Netflix and chilling on the couch, (laughs) ignoring the fact that, like, people are pursuing their child and that there's the ticking doomsday clock, um, just, again, taking a little me time. Yep, or the fact that Mulder just previously sliced a man's head off. Hey, we get to that. I mean, the one through line uh, of this uh, season seems to be the glory in which uh, Fox Mulder revels in the murder of others because yeah, he but- straight up blasts a dude. Do you think, like, like, in between seasons, Mulder went away to, like, I don't know, like, like, a, like, like an, an SES, as they're known in the, the UK? Were they, were they over there? Navy SEAL? Do you think he did, like, a Navy SEAL course or something? I- Krav Maga or you know UFC or so you know because he's he's a he's a straight up assassin. <laughs> yeah, I think he just had all three Expendables movies <laughs> beamed into his brain. You know, he's like and the now, Matrix. He sat down, plugged the uh, program, I know kung fu. Right, except now he's like, whoa. <laughs> well, more it's like, whoa, goddammit. it. 
now I know wanton murder. Um, and <laughs> he just sees anybody that has like. We'll get to it in a second, but his justification in this case is, well, you're on my goddamn property, goddammit. <laughs> Man's home is his castle. I'm about to plant three holes right in your belly. Goddammit. Goddammit. Yeah. Uh, but before any of that happens, um, his phone starts to jitter and uh, a message starts to come through. From and, and we get a little cheat of this earlier in the episode as they're hanging out in Mulder and Scully's fuck den. There's a picture. <laughs> the love shack, bull. Love, love, love shack. Uh, love shack, baby, love shack. <laughs> I got me a file. It says X as it comes. Um, I don't know. So. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh, so but he's got a picture on his mantle of the of the lone gunman. Yeah, which I'm always happy to see him. But it's like, oh, this is going to be a lone gunman episode because there's their picture, and and sure enough, it kind of is. Um, we get we do learn the fate of the uh, lone gunman, of course, which is, um, they all die. Yep. When uh, they got exposed to some weaponized virus. That's not and true, Bo. They all died when their first season of the show crashed in the ratings and was cancelled. Yeah, well, it turns out the show wasn't very good, Duncan. And, it was pretty awful. Uh, as much as I love the characters on the X-Files, it, it turns out they should just be characters on the X-Files. Almost as if Chris Carter doesn't know what he's doing, Bo. I mean, one wonders, Duncan. <laughs> Uh, like this episode in comparison to the last, it's like, oh, I think Chris Carter sucks. <laughs> um, and if you just let a good writer uh, handle the X Files, it turns out it's kind of a fun episode. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, it's uh Langley, the kind of long hair, you know, horn rimmed glasses, Ringo. kind of Ringo, yeah. Ringo Langley. Um is popping up and he's like am i dead fox Mulder? i need you to tell me if i'm dead and fox is like better not be a collect call god damn it <laughs> and <laughs> son of a bitch using 1-800 collect 29 cents a goddamn minute uh, <laughs> and <laughs> <laughs> oh, <bro> <laughs> Oh, Wilford Brimley Mulder is the greatest thing that has ever happened to the show. It's just the gift <laughs> that keeps on giving. Oh, <laughs> I think I put my back at laughing there. Oh. <laughs> I, that's my goal is to hurt you without having to touch you because that means I'm like I'm a superhero at that point. <laughs> um, sure, the alcohol I'm drinking will numb the pain. Um, I wounded him with my mind. Um, <laughs> so uh the, his phone's getting all crazy and Mulder hears a car outside and then our our three dudes uh our roadie and his two pals bust into the place a fucking scully does this kick-ass move yeah. where she slides this is, under right, bro, this is fucking amazing because the the two of them kick into 
a mode which we have never seen in the X-Files, right? Because Mulder first pushes his couch back so it slams into the door that one of the guys is trying to come through. Meanwhile, right. Scully... Pushes- well, his expendables training is like, oh, lock the door, goddammit. Yeah, Gotta run upstairs. A whole couch, or sofa, sorry. That's what the Americans call it, don't they? Or is that couch? Is Either, because uh, sofa, couch... Just making sure if they don't want to offend the Americans. Um, it pushes his back. Meanwhile, Scully pushes herself off the bottom of the couch with her foot, slides under a cable continues along and then up grabs her gun and straight up puts one of these guys in the ground then looks at the camera and says this summer i'm gonna kill bill (laughs) that is so fucking kill bill it's unbelievable it's it's fucking rad when i saw it i was like wait a second is this gonna be good Because there was nothing like, like in the last episode, she's all comatose. Like, wait a second, Scully's not lying in a bed? <laughs> right, she's not just like grabbing her head and doubling over and that's the action scene she has. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, 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 she is full on Gillian Anderson sliding around fucking laying people down. So hot. It's she's great. She's so hot. It's, oh. it's uncomfortable and- to watch. Man, and we'll we'll get to that too. But there is this really good gag in this episode about her being hot. Yes. Oh, uh, yes. <laughs> Another and, one you're on about. And again, the you know, again, Mulder's funny in this episode. This is what I'm talking. Yeah, which needs to happen in all the episodes. Right. Mulder needs to be funny. He needs to he have can, yes. witty, pity one-liners. Back there, or at sometimes just juvenile crass. Like she mentions, like at one point she says it taints the thing, and it goes like you said taint. And I like I actually yeah. giggled. I giggled like a schoolboy. I was hee. Right. Well, but this is the Mulder we know, which is kind of like like we were talking about the last episode, kind of playful mm-hmm. and knows that he has this kind of crackpot theory, but is going with it. Interested I mean, in the X Files. <laughs> kind of gives a shit about the job that he's done all his life. Um, so, all right, but before we get out of this action scene entirely, because it's pretty rad. Mm -hmm. So, uh, Scully lays one dude out, uh, Mulder then meets one of the guys on the stairs. The one who's not the, the roadie is the only one left, but Mulder shoots this dude you know, again, get off my property, goddammit. <laughs> yeah. Was it clearly and, I thought he had a gun in his hand, but I think what he had was a cannonball. Apparently so, because this dude expendables backwards. <laughs> it's where the sheer concussion of this bullet mm-hmm. takes him off his feet like it's a shotgun. Throws him into the wall. Yeah. And then, you know, Mulder's just like, you know. Uh, second amendment god damn it and then <laughs> from my cold it, dead hands or he's like scully where's the other one where's the other varmint and uh <laughs> and, and Sc- scully's like hey on the other side of the couch and it's like hey it, this is Mulder and scully doing a fucking pincer movement mm-hmm. and uh, about to lay this dude out uh but the roadie is like Oh, uh, hey, I've got to fuck off. And. <laughs> what was that? It's like the roadie guy. It was like a really bad 
had Tim Roth. Oh, that was yeah. the greatest thing that's ever happened on this show. Oh. And, um, and, and so off he fucks in their station wagon like he escapes with his life. And <laughs> and so then the next shot is the the phone again with Lingley's face on it, sa- saying, "Am I dead? If I am, that that means they know that I know." Mm-hmm. And then we open with the normal credits, and you're like, "Well, fucking AX Files." Let's rested up you know, and applauded. Yeah, I mean, I didn't stand up and applaud. That <laughs> seemed like a lot of work, but I did get erect. Um, <laughs> but I'll tell you the thing that was really, uh, really funny to me um, is that at the closing of the credits. Uh, they have one of them, like, you know, the truth is out here, mm-hmm. uh, out there kind of things. But what was it? It was like, accuse accuse others of that which you are guilty? Yeah, it was something like that. It was, it was a bit wordy. A little too wordy, if you ask me. Yeah, it didn't roll uh, off the tongue. It's not, the truth is out there. No. And uh, anyway, it was fucking amazing. Um, it one uh, one of those things that's like this is pointless, but I love it. And then uh, Scully is calling in the fact that it's like, hey, um, some people busted in our house, mm-hmm. and we shot them, and uh, and you know, Mulder's in the background <laughs> yelling like, tell him I got one of them, goddammit. Mulder's tell, in the background. Tell him that woman didn't have to protect me. <laughs> he's a Texan from The Simpsons. He's like shooting. T- Yeehaw! Yeehaw! Right, <laughs> like shooting in the air, floating off the ground by the number of shots he's firing <laughs> from his pistoles. Um, so, so uh, Scully uh, is like bagging up the phone, and he's like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, whoa! We can't turn that in." Being real Mulder about this, exactly. where he's like, "Hey." We can't follow the rules because if we turn this in, it's going to sit in evidence for two, three weeks at least. And, or no, I think he says like two or three years. years yeah. Even. Yeah. And he's like, no, no, no. I'm going to toss this thing in the oven and nobody's going to look for the phone in the fucking oven. And, yeah, you know, fucking, we're going to rock and roll. And, uh, like, once these people leave, we'll investigate this thing. And, then Mulder starts quizzing Scully because he's like, hey, I was gone when all this went down. But what happened with Langley? Like, did you see his body? And she's like, nobody saw his body because of, you know, contagion and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, but, you know, they, the bodies got incinerated. We had a funeral there. He's buried at uh, Arlington. Um, and then Mulder is like, OK, well, what about this message? Like, what, is, what does this mean? Because he's asking like they know what they know that I know. Well, what does he know, and who are they? Mm-hmm. And like get into X Files shit, Duncan. Oh yes. And and so anyway, they're kind of chit chatting about this. All of a sudden, some more people roll up. Except this time, it looks like it's the army. Yeah. Because it's like full on military personnel carriers. And only it's a Russian dude who gets out of the uh, not a truck. great Russian accent. 
Not terrific. No, I want no. to call I this guy. I originally thought it was Spanish. <laughs> I, I want to go call this guy Shite Christoph Waltz because that's kind of what it's you know. It, it was hello, agent Mada. You know, it's just like <laughs> I was like, who is this guy? What, what have we done here? And um, clearly, clearly, foreign agents and um, Scully phones. The only person that they think they can phone and trust, even though this guy, the last time they saw him, things didn't, didn't go down all that great, and they don't know if they can trust him, they phone A.D. Skinner. And Skinner, um, being Skinner, says, you know what you should do? You should just surrender. <laughs> Can't tell you why. Slightly above your pay grade. But, you know, just go with them. Uh, don't ask me questions. I can't answer them. Everything's going to be fine. Just just trust me. So um, Scully re- relays this to Mulder, and Mulder and Scully don't follow the rules here, Bo. This is a surprise. <laughs> right. Mulder's like, surrender? Never, goddammit. Remember the goddamn Alamo. <laughs> bow, bow. <laughs> Fox's last stand. Um, right. General goddamn Custer in here. <laughs> Uh, and so he's like yelling at these army dudes like it's the equivalent of like you know i'll accept your surrender he's like if you if you come in here we're gonna shoot you essentially Mm -hmm. and uh which is what happens like they they storm in and uh i think each of them gets another one yep before they're finally uh you know four in the (laughs) ground before we're five minutes at this episode (laughs) <laughs> yeah, the body count is high in this one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, more so if you get into AI, Duncan. Oh, nice bone, nice bone. We were doing the Excel theme, weren't we? <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, we were, but I just got the giggles because I was like, what if we just do that in the middle of the episode? <laughs> um, no, I got distracted by how funny I thought that was. <laughs> Instead of just doing it. We'll do it another time. Um, but yeah, so we got we got four bodies four bodies on the ground, as you pointed out. Mm-hmm. And um this you know uh senior Gorbachev <laughs> is uh like <laughs> so you're lo- losing the cold door, senor. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, my God. And he's like, uh, <laughs> where's the phone, senor Mulder? And, and he's like, I'm not, I'm not telling you a thing, goddamn commie. <laughs> and. <laughs> Ruskies. <laughs> right. Fucking red menace! You let me out of these goddamn cuffs. I'll show you a red goddamn menace. <laughs> Rip your tongue out through your asshole. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, 
I've learned, ladies and gentlemen, just to let it happen. <laughs> it's just such a weird visual. I'm looking at this image of a guy hunkered over with a tongue blown around. Makes him look like they got a goddamn tail, it does. <laughs> oh, oh, dear. Oh. <laughs> it's like their winkers giving you a how do you do. <laughs> so. Oh, so good, so good. <laughs> so Mulder and Scully uh, are who are who are now captured are like you know we're not giving you the phone, goddammit. And uh, Senior Gorbachev then notices like a light coming from the oven and opens it up, and it's the Langley message again. Yeah, and he's like, "Oh, uh-huh, we we don't need you no more." Of an old, yeah, just whatever. Um, I, my accent's as good as his. It's like a tour of the continent. Um, he's an international enemy. That's all you need to know. Right. He's not American. He's a citizen of the world, and fuck you for putting labels on. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so uh, the, while uh, Senor Gorbachev is, is occupied with the telephone or the cell phone. The telephone. How old are with you? The, I, God damn it. <laughs> While he's waiting for the switchboard operator to come on. Um, Mulder, like, grabs a dude who's holding a machine gun and, uh, and, and like, sprays the room. And I don't think anyone goes down, but everybody, like, takes cover. And then he and Scully run off into the night, uh, into the woods. Where they are met by none other than uh, deputy director or assistant director, AG, AD Skinner. Yeah, no, Skinner director, gets Skinner. there really, really quick. Either that or Skinner yeah. was in on it. Right. Well, and, and he shows up. And the, the, one, the one thing I like about them carrying over this mistrust of Skinner into this episode, I think that's kind of interesting. But it's also very and, X-Filesy because... Skinner is the one constant character in the X-Files whose 100% loyalty to either side can never be guaranteed. Yeah, and and so he's he represents this yeah, kind of weird double agent. And um so he's like, "Hey, get in the car and I'll take you to safety." And like neither Mulder or Scully are really down for that. Well, I wonder why both. <laughs> Yeah, they're like, eh, maybe not. And he's like, all right, I got some money in my wallet. Yeah, and- but he, he tells him that basically the, the government, the Secret Service, is contracting out to Russian mercenaries contracts to, to allow them to interrogate, question, remove as part of like Secret Service things, agents within other organizations, and then claims that he only thought they were going to be questioned. He didn't thought they were. He didn't think they were in any real danger. I.e., someone was going to come and kill them. And you know, there's obviously this. There's a bit of a wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Of course, Russian agents, American government working with them. Right, we get it. It's not as if we're currently living through that right now. Thanks, Glenn. Um, yeah, there's more than one. Like, got that, kids? Yeah, but, eh, but, yeah. Like, why not? Why not? Like let's just let's just roll with it because the episode's so much fucking funny anyway. And yeah, Ed Skinner brings out a not the fattest clip of money ever, but there's some 
hundreds there. Hey, he's he's a government employee, man. He's not. He ain't no Rockefeller. Yeah, it brings it brings out some money, gives it to them, and Mulder and Scully go on the run. But they're on the lamb. They are indeed. But before they they go on the lamb, uh, have the lamb stop screaming. <laughs> um, Hello, ladies. Has to happen. Has to happen. Like every couple of episodes, we have to expunge it from ourselves. You come in here, yeah, like your I, sheep shears, and you. That oh, that may be the voice we need for the uh, the cigarette smoking man. Ultimately, <laughs> he um, he's, he's not in this episode. I'll see you later, Clarice. No, but we do um, we do get some carryover. Oh uh, yeah, well, all right. So, in addition to uh, the money, Mulder asks again, like, "Hey, is Langley really dead?" And uh, Skinner is like, "He's buried at Arlington." Mm-hmm. And That's he's like, well, we that, asked. right. And Mulder's like, you didn't you answer my question. <laughs> God damn it. And, and, and Skinner, yeah. And Skinner does say like, I've told you, I, I've told you what I need to tell yeah. you, you know, essentially. And they're like, well, sounds like a goddamn clue. Mm-hmm. And, and so they go to Arlington and find the graves of the lone gunman. There is an inconsistency here, though. What kind of this is a good old fashioned mystery? It is, and that's another thing that got me excited in this episode. Like this moment where they're kind of piecing this together. Yeah. It was like, man, this feels like the X Files. There's, there's a little, there's a little bit of tongue in cheek nod here to something like, like maybe like a North by Northwest or. You know, like something within those realms, something good, something old fashioned, something not full on Hitchcocky, but it's it's kind of like I like I it's got the playfulness of like Hitchcock running through this episode, but done in the style of the X Files, which I kind of get behind. And they realise very quickly that the dates um, on the the gravestones aren't exactly the birth dates, uh, in particular the years. Of the lone gunman, uh, and very quickly Scully, remember Scully, who in the previous episode was not even really used for exposition. She was mostly used to get out of bed and then get back into bed. Scully reminds you in this episode that she really is like a walking computer. Like our knowledge and things is ridiculous. And it just so happens one of those niche things, Bo, is the dates that presidents were assassinated. Yes, and they point out that the dates correspond to the deaths of Eisenhower and Kennedy. Mm-hmm. And uh, the one that's kind of missing is the 33rd in the, the string of clues. Yeah, and of course, every American knows who the 33rd president was. Well, it, Scully does, and that's what's important. <laughs> like, even Mulder doesn't know that shit. He's like, I don't remember goddamn facts. I'm a gut man. Shoot from the hip, goddammit. And <laughs> see how many people I've murdered? Yeah, but you don't that's, know. That's what, Skull, that's what Mulder does, goddammit. You don't God know it. Brimfly, Brimley Mulder uh, actually assassinated three of those presidents. <laughs> Goddamn it. Killed, killed one of them by spitting rattlesnake venom into his eye. <laughs> Been hiding it, hiding my mouth until we danced together and almost kissed, goddammit. Um. <laughs> I like that they use a spy. (laughs) (laughs) So good, so good. But yeah, the 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 um, 
decipher the code to 33, which they very quickly say, well, if we follow the face of this gravestone and walk three gravestones up, and then three either side, eh, there may be a clue on one of the gravestones. And right enough, there is a clue and a nice callback, though. Yeah, it turns out it is the uh, the grave of uh, Deep Throat. <laughs> Both said Deep Throat. <laughs> Taint. Um, <laughs> and uh, they're they're puzzling over the fact that like why would Langley have guided us to this particular tombstone? Mm-hmm. And Mulder's like, uh, look at this cross, goddammit. it! First of all. Let's take a moment, pray to our Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> Next. Oh, man. All right. Now, this cross is a little bit different, Scully. And he moves it, and uh, there's like a, a, a QR code thing mm-hmm. behind the cross. Yeah. But as they're retrieving that, who should show up but the roadie? Yeah. And <laughs> uh, I'm not going to shoot you between the eyes. I'm going to shoot you between the balls. Right, and they're like, "We gotta get the fuck out of here." And uh, but there's a good line where, like, when Scully spies him, she's like, "Mulder, do grave diggers work at night?" And he's like, "Well, no, goddamn it, they're union." And <laughs> and there's a, a little bit of a, a shootout in the graveyard, uh, which is pretty fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, of course, uh, moldy, molder, <laughs> moldy, <laughs> moldy, uh, which is their couple name. Um, <laughs> Mulder and Scully. Moldy also sounds like, like a new form of mold that grows at the corner of your shower. Yeah. I, I got rid of the mold, but the moldy remains yeah. and it's unkillable <laughs> with all but the most potent of urines <laughs> oh, oh dear <laughs> and <laughs> so uh they get away and then they they take it uh to some research because they're like eh, you know we need to figure out what this qr code we can scan it with uh uh, Scully's phone. Yeah, I got wholly confused here, and I, I shouldn't have, but totally got confused. My assumption was that Mulder and Scully were back working the X Files because that's what the right, show well, they, had kind of told me they were, and both they weren't. No, no, no. They were kind of uh, they're they're kind of freelancing at this point. And previous I episode, do like him though, saying, oh, "Sorry, previous season." Yeah, though, the end of the they were reassigned yeah. to the X Files. And in the previous episode, they at the in the episode saying like, "Well, we're just going to keep doing what we do because we're we fucking work the X Files because that's what." Like we had a whole conversation about why would you do that mm-hmm. when there are these other things going on? Yeah, yeah but no, that, and, was, that, no, that never happened. Bro. But if you were, yeah, if you ignored that line, then this all kind of makes sense because they're getting distracted by something that is a legitimate threat to their immediate situation instead of working an X-Files. So it all makes a little more sense, I think, because Glenn Morgan was just like, oh, forget that. That's stupid. So (laughs) who wrote this? Fifera. Chris. uh, (laughs) Chris Carter! (laughs) uh, He said when he read the script. 
And um, so it's worth pointing out that they they do end up like in in the process of getting away from the roadie. They end up killing him yeah. by banging his head off of uh, one of the the graves. They thought they killed him. Eh, well, we'll get to it, but he's you know, oh, you've hurt my head, <laughs> and <laughs> I've got a thing on the side of my head. It's like an intense pain in my cranium. It's as if a rock were banging around on on the inside. <laughs> Not gonna lie, my head feels like it's a brick thrown in a washing machine on a spin cycle. <laughs> on its engine, this is as much as I've ever had a head hit. <laughs> you're making him posher than he is. I yeah, you're probably right. Like a, a little Lord the third. Look, man, I, I ain't going for accuracy here. Uh, <laughs> the fact that you got the country's pretty good, so I th- that um yeah, I got the the right island at least. <laughs> Let's not worry about the neighborhood. Um, so so as they're chit chatting, there's a pretty good line where Mulder's like, uh, "I'm gonna open up an X file on how delicious this muffin is." That's how they start off. And, like, that's just the greatest line ever. The two of them are ravenously powering through. These bran muffins, which look like the most delicious bran muffins I've ever seen, they do look pretty pretty delicious. And uh, but they they've been able to scan this QR code, and and it's a uh, uh, a directory of of this uh, building run by the NSA. Yeah, I think. it's called NSA CIA. Somebody. Titan Point. T- Tatooine. <laughs> Titan Point. Tit Titan Point. Um, Titan Pointy. Ti- Hi. <laughs> which, Titan, which, if you Titan you do a bit of googling, point. Titan Point is real. It's in Manhattan. Um, I must have walked past it when I was over last year. Right, you walked right by Langley. Yeah. Um. So they're like, "Hey, we need," and and Mulder says, "Hey, I'll open up a goddamn X file on that building," <laughs> and Scully. Scully's like, well, so we've got to now go back into a building with a bunch of people chasing us to get back to the X-Files. And Mulder's like, goddamn right. And she's like, all right, let's do this. And they they hook up with Skinner. And Skinner uh, is like, you're trying to hold me up at gunpoint to get you to the X-Files? Are you too fucking stupid? Yeah, well, what year do you think this is? This is 2017, motherfuckers. Right, he's like, the X-Files are fucking online. Mm-hmm. And so they're just readily available. And so, Which, if Mulder and Scully in the previous season had been working the X-Files, boy, they would have known. One would think, but as with we have learned with the X-Files, uh, mythology does not matter. No. It it changes week to week, yep. so don't maybe don't get hung up on it. <laughs> um, <laughs> what you're looking for is a through line. There is no through line. The through line is a myth. Right. Well, but, but then again, how do you build off of that mess of a first episode in a way that makes any kind of sense? Yeah, but... I mean, I agree with you. It's inconsistent. But at this point, I'll I'll overlook that for, hey, this doesn't suck. Yeah, yeah. I know you're, you're <laughs> right, but it's the whole, well, yeah, the X-Files have been scanned and they were online and they've been online for 15 years. I'm like, really? 
Right. Why why isn't there a giant subreddit of people trying to solve the X Files and yeah. Why haven't they reached out to Fox Mulder? Yeah. What and the, uh, yeah, know and about the pre- yeah, mean, in the previous yeah. season, why did we have to go and track down Mulder and then bring him back into a building where we could just give them a fucking laptop? You know, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's it's cringy, but you are. I have, I have, I can't get hung up on this episode because it's so much goddamn fun. However, every now and again, a bit of information drops, and I'm like, uh, uh, uh. that's the noise I make as well. Yeah, well, it's not wrong. Um, yeah, it. I mean, I, I'm with you. It's frustrating, but I mean, beggars can't be choosers here, and this this show has made me a beggar. I will it. happily live in a world where the X Files have been scanned into a computer. If I get Fox Mulder laughing at the word taint and uh, Dana Scully being uh, the bride from Kill Bill, I'll happily live in that world. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so while like Skinner gets a phone call and it gets dragged away from his computer that I don't know why once Skinner was like, Hey, it's online. He's got to sit there with, Oh, him. he needs to see exactly what they're doing, bro. I he can't be trusted. Yeah, guess, he can't why, be trusted. Yeah. But so why aren't they like, okay, we've got a computer at home. We're just going to go there and look, <laughs> look this shit bro, up. Oh, you are but, doing a Duncan here. It's not healthy. I know. I know. I mean, but, but you're right. These, you got bothered by one thing, I get bothered by another, yep. and we come together to laugh at Spank Bank. Um, because <laughs> what happens is... Scully Spank Bank. And we all have one. <laughs> it's it's so good, man. It's so Langley, uh, it, like his, his information has been scrubbed from the X-Files. Yeah, but- like they see the name of... Uh, Frohiki, yeah, who was Frohiki, yeah. ridiculously obsessed with Scully, it has an associated file which they then click into, which is called Scully's Spank Bank. And yeah, and the the file is her face <laughs> circa season two of he the X Files. Top of a folder. Uh huh. That's a Spank Bank V three version of which. Which yes, that's what that's what got me is this is uh the third swipe at this. But um he keeps clicking and it leads him to the image of uh what's her name? Like Kara Kara Hamby is her mm-hmm. name, with a note attached that says, If they scrub me, go to her. Mm-hmm. And um, so now they have a lead and they, they quickly close out of all that stuff that's on the internet and readily accessible Yep. <laughs> question mark, uh, whatever. Um, and there's another good line here where, uh, Skinner tells him like, oh yeah, that, you know, like the FBI is now being, uh, like circumvented by this other organization yep. and Mulder's like, well, you know, it's good that FBI gets to learn what it's like to be a little yeah, spooky, goddammit. Skinner says the Bureau is not in good standing with the White House these days, and Mulder's exact words are, the FBI finally found out what, uh, what it's like to be looked upon as a little spooky. Which is, of course, from episode one of the X-Files. Spooky Mulder, bro. Spooky Mulder uh, was his nickname. It's a simpler um, time, and they actually mentioned that in the show. Which, once again, yeah. I think I want to think this is Glenn Morgan poking fun 
at the X-Files mythology now and he's like that, you know, remember when things were just a little bit more simpler, when it was just like the nefarious one smoking man and one organisation we had to deal with but now we've got all these different organisations we have to deal with and all these different conspiracies that are going on that things are now just a little bit overwhelming and I'm like, yeah, you're telling me Glenn Morgan, Glenn Morangi, Glenn Livett Balvini <laughs> Bunahaban I you know the money. Trying to remember. <laughs> I, no, I mean I, I the ones I did earlier. Shut up, Duncan. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be mean. Um. <laughs> oh dear. So, so yeah. So it's uh, they, they make their way out to speak. To this professor, and right. we get a, and, an exposition dump here. Uh, completely, but in typical X Files fashion, it's like I'm an expert, and nobody's supposed to know about this. But um, a, a, a a group that meets fortnightly, known as <laughs> the Pentaverit, um, that's it. That's it. Yeah. is uh, is trying to colonize space. And what they're doing is they're uploading uh, people's brains into this big server mm-hmm. and and creating a simulation in which these uploaded brains exist. And if Langley is reaching out to them via phone, it means that he has come to the realization that he is living in a simulation. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, and the idea, you know, of course, is like, well, it's immortality and you can live forever. But, you know, you get it, the episode mildly gets into the ideas of like, well, is that a life worth living? And what kind of life is that? Um, and Langley speaks to it a little more directly than the next scene. A bit. Yeah. But before we get to that, as uh, Kara Hamby is, you know, providing exposition. Uh, we appreciate it, goddamn. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, like in classic X Files, um, in the classic way of telling the X Files story, once you have delivered all the information you need to and have no more to deliver, you die. Right, because the roadie shows back. Oh, up. what's going on to you then? We're all very popular. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what's all this in? Um, and I'm the juggernaut, bitch. <laughs> I'm afraid I've got to shoot you in the heart. Um, which he does. He he shoots her uh right in the chest, and and she's dead. Bringing the episode body count to five. Yep. And then uh, they put him down, which brings the body count to six. Right. So you know we're up to a solid half dozen murders. Yep. 25 minutes, uh, last maybe ep- 30 minutes into the episode stops. Yeah. And, I mean, good for them? Yeah, go for Question it. Question mark? Yeah, why not? We're, we're stone cold killers now. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're, we've gone rogue completely. <laughs> and... <laughs> only thing I answer to is Lord Jesus Christ and the American flag, <laughs> goddammit. Uh... So <laughs> they they decide that the, 
Mulder's new nickname is the God Hand Killer, and you will sit there and be patient while he obeys the speed limit to get to where you are to kill you. Uh huh. Kill any man alive as long as I don't break the law getting there. Say your prayers before he kills you. He's making his way there. Your prayer may last a day and a half, um, but he's on his way. Well, he's kind of the it follows, right? Uh, like, it's slow and steady wins the race, as you said. Eventually, you're going to get tired or have to take a shit. And that's when Brimley will be there. <laughs> Brimley waits till you're pretty dog in it, and that's when it puts you down. Right. <laughs> Caught you mid-log, you son of a bitch. <laughs> I, I, you better <laughs> you better hope that St. Peter's got some Charmin, because you're about to meet him. God damn it. Well, this idea of, like, Brimley being really noble, and he thinks that you should die like the king died on the toilet taking a shit. <laughs> I don't think he thinks Elvis was. He's probably oh, he loves goddamn Elvis. hippie. You think so? <laughs> yeah. All right. I think I think Elvis was the only the only goddamn hippie, rebellious rock and roll guy that he got behind because he was in movies and he played a soldier. Fair enough. Fair enough. The only, yeah. the only saving grace. Didn't like his music, but liked liked the fact that they played a a law abiding man of the service. Right. Elvis Presley volunteered for combat. Goddammit. it. Met Richard Nixon, one of the finest presidents the United States ever had the good fortune to have, goddammit. Loves Richard Nixon, hates Muhammad Ali. Yeah. Oh, you mean Cassius Clay, goddammit? Can't just go changing your name midstream. People trying to take their dicks off, be ladies, goddammit. Change your name to Muhammad Ali. Oh, dear. Oh. <laughs> just like, do you think whenever we record in Wilford Brimley's ears just burn <laughs> constantly? <laughs> so, someone's talking about me, goddammit. Where's my royalties, goddammit? <laughs> it's likeness rights, son of a bitch. So uh, anyway, the next, yeah, <laughs> the so- next scene, Mulder and Scully are at a bar... Uh, kind of a diner Diner? sort of situation where they're just kind of laying low yeah you know uh, you can get 24 hour places that's i don't know what time i don't know if it's night or day hey here in this great state of tennessee we have places that close uh much like new orleans between 6 a.m and 7 a.m and that's it and they serve alcohol right round Mm -hmm. this is a fucking revelation this is it's only yeah. at times like these that I realize how backwards my country is. Yeah, I mean, we, we at one point almost had drive through liquor. That is the greatest thing that's ever happened. I know. It seems like such a good idea until you stop and think about it for two yeah, seconds. Yeah, it's a terrible idea. Uh, it's a terrible idea. <laughs> right, right. Like for the, for the alcoholic on the go, Duncan. <laughs> trucker. I can't be for, bothered for the trucker, with stopping. You're basically for the truck driver. <laughs> You're right. Like, I'm already hopped up on crank. I got to get something to bring me down. Yeah. I can't certainly go through all the trouble of parking a truck 
exiting my car and going into a store. Exactly. And you know what the good thing about buying bottles of beer is? You can piss in those empty bottles, Bob. Right, right. Like, that's why you can't get out. All the bottles just, uh, you know, piled up around your legs. You open that door. <laughs> Niagara Falls, Frankie. <laughs> What's I got here? Some hooch? Some grandpa's cough medicine? <laughs> I can't even remember what movie that is. Dumb and Dumber, isn't it? I don't know. Dumb and Dumber. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> what are we talking about? Oh, yeah, they're in the diner. <laughs> Pissing in a bowl is what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just a great flogging Molly song. <laughs> Oh, we're pissing in a bottle. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so they're in this diner having a brisky. Um, and then you, you were talking about that kind of Scully's hot. That comment comes up here. Mm. Mm. Yeah, well, Sorry. Langley gives him a jingle. So he, yeah, a little jingle jangle on the telephone. But this is after Scully, after Mulder mentions that, you know, Scully's looking very hot, holding a assassin's gun <laughs> gripping a bottle of blood yeah and i'm like yes she is. yes she does not yeah, yeah. not no, wrong you're, you're right Mulder. not wrong you are right you you, you tap that <laughs> tap that Mulder, tap that yeah, yeah i mean by the end of this episode the answer is uh-huh yeah. Mulder, you Mulder, uh, you fucking <laughs> you fucking uh you fuck my scully <laughs> you fuck my <laughs> you fuck my wife you fuck my wife you fuck my wife? You fuck my wife? <laughs> yes, I am your wife, and I <laughs> fuck right. your wife. The uh, room at the top of the stairs across the pit of hell. <laughs> surrounded by the lake of fire. Now, we're just, yeah, we, we need to do a, uh, another side cast that's nothing but us quoting Eddie, Eddie, Eddie oh, yeah, Azard. Any day of the week, I am there. You fuck my wife? Fuck my wife? Fuck my wife? Oh, well, I guess you better had. <laughs> One of my favorite lines my, my, ever. My, my, my favorite one is the Death Star villains. It's, it's, it's the Rebels, sir. Well, yeah, yeah, what about it? Well, they're here. <laughs> they're here. <laughs> uh, yeah, that is fantastic. Or the Death Star canteen. Give me the Teriyana Beata. Oh, you need a tray. I am dead like No, you need a tray because it's hot. <laughs> oh, yes, I need a tray because it's hot. Sorry. <laughs> Lassange sur la table. Yeah. Uh, that whole bit, I think, is Oh, it's so bad to watch Eddie Azard right now. I know, I know. All right, uh, so, yeah, all right, so Langley uh, gives him a call from the Matrix yeah. and is like, hey, is Scully there? What up, yeah. Scully? I like that moment where he's just like, really? Scully's there? <laughs> Sup. Sup, girl. Uh, you know, you know, Ed, you know, Ringo... You know, uh, you know Ringo loves yeah. you, Bay. <laughs> um, did not use the word "bay." I, I got it right. Not, got it no, right. You can't use the word "bay" when an hour ago you told me you watched a horror movie and a recliner with a blank over you. <laughs> it's comfortable. It's comfortable, boo. Uh, <laughs> Totes. Um, yeah, it's comfortable, boo. The new slinket from Duncan and Bo come correct. <laughs> it's got it's got a little ghost face on it. Yeah, it's uh, 
send two million dollars to Duncan and Bo. That's come all. Correct. That's all. It's, it, yeah, it has that it. carrying slogan, slogan through. Like we had that that the fragrance earlier on, which was eau de eau. <laughs> This yeah, is, uh, and then we, we have obviously our, our uh, black Yukon sucker punch dildo, which is uh, nine inches of whoo, um, as well. Yeah, we're we're throwing one of those free in now with every uh, it's comfy boo that you your buy. comfy boo is um, is uh, is comfort that makes you go ooh. Uh huh, and if you sit down just right, ooh ooh ooh. Uh, <laughs> ooh. There's there's a black Yukon sucker punch sewn into it, like f- fucking Phantom Thread. <laughs> Paul Thomas Anderson's black Yukon sucker punch. Red for your pleasure. <laughs> Have you screaming like Nadine? Oh no! How would Nadine scream? Oh! 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 Your neighbors must love you. They do. Um, we've talked. Oh, they. I've listened mostly. They've talked. Um, where the fuck are we in this? Oh yeah. So Langley is calling him. He's God telling, he's telling uh, him about how much fun he's having. He watches the Ramones play every single night, and he's having pizza and donuts. He doesn't put on any weight, though. Doesn't has a lot of digital sex. Well, a lot of sex. Yeah. But, the, uh, the The funniest line to me is that the New England Patriots are there and they never win, not yeah, once. Yeah, that was, and that's, that's pretty a funny. Ball reference. So I thought that the Americans would love that. To me. Um, it sounded slightly unpatriotic that I didn't realize. Yeah, I thought there was New England Patriots. I was like, I don't even know what that is, but you know, surely you're saluting them and not kneeling. No one is taking the knee during that. Well, the the New England Patriots to catch you up uh, is the team that just this past weekend beat the hometown favorite Tennessee Titans in the playoffs. Also, uh, they were caught up last year in a last year or the year before, in the cheating scandal with deflated footballs. So everyone, er, like, a lot of people love the Patriots, but uh, even the people that love them kind of love them because they cheat. Literally what it sounded like you said to me there was spacemen on Mars walking around, bloop, 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 sausage. (laughs) You know... Goddamn Ben Lorry shit <laughs> I have put up with for years. Uh, uh, but all right, but but Lingley is like, yeah, all this great stuff is happening. It also, footnote: you have to destroy all of. Yeah, it. because they're hacking our minds. They they're taking they're taking our jets. Ja- they're taking our jets. The you know they're hacking their minds. Uh, of all these, they took our brains <laughs> out. Um, and uh, yeah, so he's but he starts right. He's like Steve Jobs is up here, <laughs> like he's being connected in as well. And they're using us to further the space race. And at this point, Bo, I'm like, wait one second, did you link this into a story from the previous episode? 
They do indeed, Duncan. Uh, do, do yeah, because he, he's Barbara like Hershey was not Bill shitting us. <laughs> well, and there there's a pretty good scene with her coming up, but I, I do like the fact that he's like you know even uh, uh, Steve Jobs and like all these people who have been uploaded don't remember who mm-hmm. they are. Like they don't understand that they're in a simulation, and so they're just working like slaves. And with no idea or concept of of what consciousness they represent. Meat for the beast. Just oh, that the meat for the beast. Uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, Mulder's like, well, goddamn it, I'm not for slavery. And uh, <laughs> that's when he draws the line. Yeah, yeah. But they're so they're like, well, we got to go to uh, Titan Point <laughs> and. <laughs> Your doggy is fucking awesome, so, man. Honestly, it's spot on. <laughs> it's one hundred percent accurate. So good. So, uh, so they take a bus uh, to to the How city, changed. and it. Yeah, it's it's pretty great because while they're on the bus, a bunch of kids are fucking with Scully, mm-hmm. and at one point she just goes, "Really." And they all like clam up, but it's really a funny moment. It, again, it's like the characters acting like the people I know. So it's kind of like they've got a chemistry ball, which yeah, Who you know, knew? like a chemistry of two actors that have been playing the same characters now for twenty odd years and eleven seasons. And there, the, another like, all right, so. Once we're off the bus, we go to Titan Point, and um, this bit is dumb, but in a way that I love it. It's yeah, it, it's real stupid in a way I can get behind as well. It, uh, so the the premise is Scully is like, "Hey, I'm bringing this guy in, and we need to take him straight to Titan yeah, Point." This guy here, multiple and, legs. Uh, yeah, multiple Mulder. Multiple Mulder. Uh, I cut my wrists. Look at the blood. I can't. I can smell your cunt, goddammit. I can smell um, your cunt, goddammit. If that, if that, ladies and gents, is not a fucking t-shirt design, if ever I've heard one, Wolford Brimley's face with a Hannibal Lecter mask over it, Darren, make it happen with the words, I can smell your cunt, goddammit. Yeah. the greatest thing that's ever yeah, happened I mean, on this show. And kind of romantic. It is. Um, Valentine's Day is coming up. Yeah, right around the corner. Uh, so, like, the way they get in is that Mulder pretends to be handcuffed, and Scully is like, I got to take him in. And the guy's like, I don't know, we need a, some identification. And she gives her, like, FBI identification number mm-hmm. or whatever. But then she's like, Wink. Yeah. And and the guy's like, ooh, yeah. hubba, she asks him. She asks him with that wink, uh, suggestively, if he too would like a Scully spank bank, and he would bull. Uh the Scully spank bank, <laughs> the latest dildo from Duncan and Boko. Send 12 ferrets to Duncan and Bo. And come that's correct. all. That's all. And that's it. Um, <laughs> so, 
like the guy is like, all right, I will totally open the door for you, hotness. Mm-hmm. And uh, and like the dumb thing about this scene is that as soon as he turns around, Mulder does the gag yeah. me by putting the finger in yeah. his mouth. But it's also sort of like, oh, well, Mulder's being playful and fun, and I'm I'm on board for that mm-hmm. at least. And then, you know, quickly, like before the guy turns around, it's like, oh, no, nope, yeah. still handcuffed. <laughs> I, I, I'm totally secure, <laughs> goddammit. In fact, these cuffs could be tighter. <laughs> I haven't been this tied up since a weekend furlough in Hong Kong. <laughs> When I was introduced into the Japanese art of shibari, <laughs> a.k.a. rope bondage. God damn it. Spent, spent 12 hours with Mistress Leaping. I learned four things about myself and eight things about her. I just love this idea of him being tied to a chair while this Taiwanese hooker sits in front of him firing ping pong balls from her fanny right in his face. <laughs> pow! Pow! <laughs> oh! She called that the Korean compressor. <laughs> to this day, I never met her equal. God damn it. Yes, they're heading towards one of these turnstile things, and he goes through and he's like that. This oh, might be right. easier if you... And this actually links to a Duncan... This is a nice wee Duncan and Bowl come correct reference. Um... He's like, I oh, probably easier if you uncuff this guy to put it through you to put him around here. And so he goes, like, I can't uncuff this this guy's a serious criminal, you know, Hannibal Lecter, you know, like nothing on this guy. And then Mulder goes <laughs> It's pretty good. <laughs> like, I love this episode. It's what I want. <laughs> I yeah. Episode. All right. Yeah, like I said, this is what we're talking yes, about. More of um, this, please. More of Glenn Morgan, less of Chris Carter. Uh, yeah, I mean, I agree. So, so they finally get into this place and they, uh, they issue the elevator to take the stairs. Cause Mulder's like, Hey, if we take this elevator up and they're waiting for us, yeah. we're fucked. So we'll take the stairs. And <laughs> Mulder's then, like, at, leafl- it's like 29 flights up or something. And Mulder's just like singing like a kid as he's bounding up these stairs and Scully's having none of it. Right, like Mulder is having a pretty good time, and and Scully is not, which is how this show yes. should be. And they almost they almost <laughs> make their way to the top, um, and that's when our our buddy Russian McSpaniard um, comes through the door, and he he basically has his trips, and then we have once again over the top action. So Scully leaps off a full flight of stairs lands and makes a run for it while Mulder takes on about what five of these uh-huh, mercenaries. Like he's fighting ninjas. Mercenaries, Paul. Russian trained mercenaries. Ne- Whatever. They might as well be ninjas. He's fighting ninjas mm-hmm. on the stairwell. And he's doing well. Uh yeah, no, he's definitely holding his own. And then Yeah, so Scully high kibas down to a lower floor and she runs away. And uh, there's a pretty good bit where, like, a guy is looking for her, and she ducks into a room, but it's got one of them uh, pneumatic doors that kind of slowly closes. And so the security guy is like, oh, what have we here? I'm hot on the trail. Uh, But it turns out, like, it it reminds me a little bit of the uh, 
flashlight slash baseball gag in Silver mm. Bullet. Yeah. Where the dude comes in the door after, and then you just see the the flashlight he was holding start to swing around and then kick kick sounds, mm-hmm. and then out comes Scully like now I got a flashlight. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have a flashlight now too. Ho ho ho. <laughs> Scully Gruber. <laughs> <laughs> Agent Mulder have killed people younger and smarter. I can't do it. <laughs> Fuck it. You'll have to do it. You got to pick up a little weight around here if we're going to do all these British accents. <laughs> I, I think you'll find that Alan Rickman was playing an English German. <laughs> Whatever. Whatever. Mr. Takaka. Uh, <laughs> Such a bad Rickman. <laughs> yeah. I mean, 20%. Uh, that's all I can do. That's as good as it gets. It's Christmas, Theo. It's a time for miracles. Um, so anyway, it's not the diehard cast that comes after uh, this one. Um, we at some point we should just do. Oh, well, that, yeah, uh, ju- not? just <laughs> right. We'll ju- we'll do it as a radio play where you and I just play all the parts. <laughs> and it's just going to be Wilfred Brimley and in in every role. God damn. Yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker, <laughs> goddammit. <laughs> Die Hard, where John McLean's played by Wolfer Brimley could be the greatest unmade uh, movie ever. It's just called Die Hard, <laughs> goddammit. <laughs> Brimley's not jumping off the side of the Nakatomi Tower either. Fuck that. Die Hard doesn't even make any goddamn sense. So, but the, a whole sentence? I don't even understand. <laughs> God damn it. But oh. You die hard. Is that understood? <laughs> meanwhile, meanwhile. It's a grammatical mess, god damn it. <laughs> meanwhile, Mulder gets taken up to this boardroom um, where fucking. He gets taken, he gets taken on a trip up the Hershey Highway uh, to, to meet Erica Price. Who, oh, Duncan. What? Are you laughing because I said Hershey Highway or the bad. I am, I am. Now that now every scene, it's like it's Hershey <laughs> Highway time. We're traveling down the Hershey Highway. <laughs> There's a bit at the end of this episode which made me laugh out loud. I mean, like see, cackle, like, uh, and it involves this character uh, and the fact that she's not there where they think she oh, we'll come back to it. Um so she's sitting down and Mulder gets brought down in front of her and once again she picks up the same story that we heard before. You know, she wasn't impressed by him the first time they met. You know, this is this Mulder guy that everyone seems to be so concerned about, but look where it's brought him. They're trying to do a space race just now because the smoking man, his father, has this huge master plan to destroy humanity and all this animal life and all the rest and the only way they'll survive is if they get off the fuck and get their ass to Mars basically um, and all the rest and what's what's so incredible about this is of all the people that Langley could have got in touch with uh, the 7 billion people she mentions, he got in touch with Mulder which seems quite interesting, maybe he can be useful to them, they can work together to get this done, meanwhile Scully's killing people and being a like basically James Bond down three floors down and Mulder 
tries to play the game a little bit, turns on a bit of the charm. He says, well, let's say you let me go and I kill my dad for you. Would you let me upload myself into this and Scully? And she's like, of course. But once you pass across the electric lines, you're no longer Mulder and Scully. You wake up as Richard and Linda. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, basically. That's basically it. Yeah, it's fucking, that's, that's the storyline. <clears throat> David Lynch wants his script back, Glenn. Um, it's like, you will not, you'll not be the same. You won't recognize each other. It's like, yeah, but you know, we get to live forever. So, but the, the, the downside is one of us, you know, we'll have to die before we can achieve that. And she's like, Oh, that's such, you know, that's old. Now we can upload you whenever. In fact, we can steal parts of your consciousness and your knowledge whenever you answer a phone call now. Um, and Mulder's like, all right, well, that's interesting. So then Mulder gets taken that he convinces her that he has to see the device. And she agrees, which is stupid. Um, Right, like two how, seconds ago, this guy especially, wanted to destroy the machine, and now he wants to see it. Also, the last time you saw him, he was completely against the idea of being part and parcel of anything yep. you have, uh, like a, a hand mm-hmm. in. So now, and his excuse for it is, "I want to see it because it's like seeing God." Yes. And she's like, "All right, I guess." And you're like, "Oh." Apparently, the Hershey Highway does not lead to good decisions. <laughs> but <laughs> couple yeah, of so they twisting tons on the Hershey Highway. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> it can be bumpy, Duncan. The, the the worst part is sometimes you have to slam on the brakes and you get skid marks. <laughs> Moving on, Duncan. Um, so a guard is a guard is leading. Wait a second! Don't 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 shortchange me here. Skid marks, a new oh. brand of underwear coming from Duncan and Bolcom. Correct. Pre-stain to avoid any embarrassment. <laughs> Becoming traditional colors of off-white. Uh, off brown, um, <laughs> pee stained, <laughs> red, <laughs> red for when it's that time of the month, um, uh, uh-huh. and, a, <laughs> and all you have to do is send a check for what? What we'll say this time: seven geese, uh, an entire reproducible set. Of your grandmother's fingerprints. Oh, yes. I like that. And send that to Duncan and Bo. Come correct. And that is all, Bo. That is all. Well done. Um, so. <laughs> Why would we ever use that? Grandmother's <laughs> <laughs> fingerprints. Why would we ever need that? <laughs> Get a credit card. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'll keep the ferrets occupied, I suppose. <laughs> Wasn't thinking it through, Duncan. Just seemed funny. Um, <laughs> I don't think I've ever laughed as much as I've laughed in this episode. Oh. <laughs> Alright, we're almost out of this. Uh, so... Pretty good moment here where Mulder, like, 
you know, karate kicks this dude once he sees that Scully is kind of around the corner before mm-hmm. he goes into the server room. So they kind of karate him. And this and is a Russian, this is a Russian Spanish. Senior Gorbachev. Yeah, Jamaican English assassin. Uh huh. He's like, oh, you'll kick me in the face. <laughs> and. You hurt me, man. <laughs> oh, Ari, Ari. Yeah, so, so Scully starts to make you got I in the jaw, man. <laughs> like the worst accent ever. I know. So, so Scully goes into the server room. Mulder goes to get a gun that this guy's dropped, and this guy gets up, and the two of them tangle. Yeah, well, and not before she asks him, like. You got you almost kicked this guy out. How did how do you operate so well in handcuffs? Yeah, we, we, and nudge, he's nudge. like, and he's like, as if you don't know, wink, yeah, saucy bitch. Uh, which means that Scully has handcuffed him at some point, and that's about the sexiest thing I ever heard. Yep, Spike Bank, uh, Volume Four. Uh huh. V four, <laughs> new and improved for twenty eighteen. Um. <laughs> So yeah, Mulder and uh and Senior Gorbachev are tussling. Yeah. And you know, push your face away by the chin, goddammit. <laughs> and I mean, it's kind of some schoolyard bullshit. Yeah. And, and finally Scully gets This guy's a trained mercenary. You've got to imagine through some sort of Russian military training fighting uh Cambridge graduate and criminal psychology. Who has been injected with Expendables movies, as yeah. we have established. Um, so... <laughs> he, yeah, I, got, I got slaw running through my veins, goddammit. Um, and... <laughs> Sly running through my veins. And so uh, Scully finally breaks one of the glass doors, like the security doors that they keep video games behind and mm-hmm. target. Yeah. And she breaks through that and uh, starts turning them off just by using like a pocket knife or something. Which makes you think if this was the most prized possession, which was going to get civilization onto the moon and beyond, maybe put it behind glass that isn't shatterable and maybe make it slightly more complicated to switch them off other than using a key yeah because it's basically just a a big button that's like turn off here as empire strikes back it's (laughs) right (laughs) it is is. it's it's nonsense yeah but but again all right it's nonsense Um, but it's fun yeah it's a good time and there's a nice moment like when she's turning off the last server where she's like so long, Ringo, yeah. you know, and it, a nice nod to that character. And uh, Mulder uh, comes in. She almost shoots him because she's like, I still am going to kill Bill. Yeah. And <laughs> Mulder's like, whoa, 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 I'm not Bill. God damn it. And uh, then they essentially take off because they're he's like uh, handcuffed Senior Gorbachev. And they go, surprisingly, did not murder him. No, they did, which is the biggest surprise of this episode. The one inconsistency, <laughs> if any, is the fact that, you know, when Mulder didn't handcuff him, he then, like, waterboarded him, then snapped his neck, then sawed it off and put on a spike. Um, well, 
I think I know why he did it, though. Uh, I think it was like, you always leave one alive to tell the goddamn tale. Because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they agree that they're going to go back through the tunnel, get some of the real FBI, and bring them back through the tech team and all the rest, and they're going to confiscate this material, and they're going to go after the Hershey Highway. And this is maybe, the, this is a bit that made me cackle, is that they went through there, got all these FBI agents, and you got to imagine it took, that's like what 29 flights of stairs back through a tunnel go and convince your superiors that you're one not fugitives two that there's a secret organization uploading the conscious brains of individuals like steve jobs into a super hub to create space travel for the future of civilization which is about to be wiped out because my dad the smoking man has a serum that's going to wipe out all human life and will you come with us they have to sign off on that give you some agents to come back down and go through the tunnel and come back up. And then they bust into the boardroom that here she was sitting in and then look confused that she's still not sitting there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it is the most X-Files thing to happen is that you turn your back for two seconds and your evidence disappears. Yeah, like as if she's going to be sitting in the same chair in an empty fucking boardroom. She's not blowfelt. Right, like Mulder, what have you done? Uh oh, no Mr no Mr. Bluffett, I expect you to die. You know, she's not <laughs> like that. Of course she fucking got up and went to the next room, maybe went for a cigarette, a cup of coffee, maybe. But they look seriously confused and when she's not there, for some reason they have it in their head, wait one second, all that expensive military gear, servers, etc., that'll still be there. But Bo, they're wrong. No, just the the cut trunks of cables, mm-hmm. and uh, and yeah, they're like, well, shucks, lost them again. Well, cable tied as well. I appreciate that. Yeah, it no, it was it was neat. It was mm-hmm. a good job of uh, running that that network line. Yeah. Um. So uh, you know they get uh got goddamn hornswoggled, <laughs> um, and. So they retire back to Mulder's place where they pretend like they're going to clean up for a second. And then they're like, oh, fuck this. And they hop on the couch and Mulder's phone, which he retrieved, um, flickers and it's Langley again. And he says, they know that we knew you've got to destroy the backup. Mm-hmm. And then it fades out, only to fade back in. Only this time, it's not uh, Langley. It's uh, our our roadie. Yeah. All right, there. Just come up with apples and pears. How'd I get all in in your phone? <laughs> and then the the punk music kicks back in, which I kind of like. Is this iOS? <laughs> Is this iOS seven? <laughs> I I thought I was Android only. <laughs> but the, the the punk music kicks back in, and it's fun and it's upbeat, and that's what this episode is. And I kind of like it. You know, I have to d- delete the backups, and Mulder and Scully almost look at each other as if to say, "Nah." Yeah, um, it is kind of like, uh, and you know what? We're, we're going to deal with this in the AM. Yeah, this is not a tonight emergency. Yeah. And it also kind of signifies that everything they have done, Bo, has been for not really, when you think about it. Bacon. Oh. Yeah. Because, of course, if you're being smart about things, you don't have just one server. You always have a backup. And if you're really smart, a backup and the backup. 
yeah, even when they destroyed it, I was like, well, that that ain't going to be it, right? Because because that's bad, right? <laughs> yeah, like again, why would you? It, like if they didn't have a backup, I would think that was dumber. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I thought this episode like it's uh, there are there are things that have to do with the show's mythology that we continue just to redefine from week to week. Yeah, there's there's plot holes that you could drive a bus through in this in this episode, which you know just don't stick true to the canon of the X Files at all. That being said, Glenn Morgan really revels. He was the guy that did most of the Monsters of the Week stuff. He's the one that did the Restarby episode last season, didn't he? The weird uh, yeah, thing. I think that's right. Yeah. yeah. So that's what he's known for is doing more of the kind of one-off monster of the week stuff. He didn't do much of the conspiracy stuff. So it does kind of feel fitting that on those monsters episodes and things like that, we sometimes played a bit footless and fancy-free with X-Files mythology. And it kind of feels like that here. At least he links in, you know, Erica Price into this with more stuff about the space thing and all the rest. So that is kind of carrying on. And like I said to you in the last episode, I've read reviews of sites that have seen like the first five episodes, essentially the first half of the season, and they're like that. Unlike previous seasons, they are actually trying to carry through a continuous story. And to be honest with you, if this is the extent they want to do in each episode, I'm fine with that. I don't think we need too much more. Um, And it kind of fit in. Some of the characters were not great, like our Russian-Spanish Mexican, a uh, oh, I don't know what you mean. <laughs> Frenchman, um, was a bit too cliche for me. It was a bit too much. Like, all right, so you're a Russian villain, awesome. Um, and some of the there is some kind of nods to some messages, some playful messages. I think in this episode, particularly about how convoluted Dexels have actually got compared to how it started. I think. Glenn Morgan is directly referencing that in this episode at times through some of the dialogue. Uh, there's this deliberate look back to to things that happened in the past, and I'm I'm kind of cool with that, you know. Um, where, where you have them, you know, you have that thing about Deep Throat's uh, Deep Throat's grave, and Mulder saying, you know, essentially he's dead because because of me, you know, I, I got him dead and we thought the world was so complex and dangerous back then and who would have thought that when we look back with nostalgia, we're now saying that's a simpler time than what it is now. And I think that's that makes reference to obviously, you know, real life environments, but I also I think is them or Morgan directly referencing how convoluted this show has actually got now. And when you are almost penciled in as a writer to come and do this show and you're coming off that previous episode, the fact that this one even manages to to be coherent all the way through is in itself a miracle. Uh, but the fact it's entertaining, funny, Mulder and Scully feel like Mulder and Scully in this episode. The action's ridiculous, but I kind of dug it in, in the extent of the episodes. Um... There's a, there's a whole hell of a lot to love about this episode. I think this might be one of the high water marks. So I'm just getting the sinking feeling that the next episode is not going to be written by Glenn Morgan, and unless it is something like a Monster of the Week episode or a standalone X Files case, which is difficult with the premise of set up, I worry about the rest of this season. Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll see. I don't. I haven't. 
read too much about this season. I didn't want to spoil anything for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, because I'm already occasionally down on it. Uh, so I don't want, I don't want to encourage that, but I also don't want to diminish it where, where it's, I feel it's deserved. So mm-hmm. yeah, I've, I've kind of kept in the dark. Um, but you know, I will see. I, I, I enjoyed this episode quite a bit. Um, it, I don't think it's as good as like the wear man episode of the last season. No, that to me is like a high water. I think that one is the closest we get to an episode that really could stand up with some of the best from the original run. Yeah, yeah, and th- this feels like a pretty good episode of the X Files. Yeah, and uh, and that's an, a welcome change after last week. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, you know, more of this, less of uh, my struggle. Part three uh, is my recommendation, <laughs> and you know, we're going to get my struggle. Part four. I know it's going to happen, uh, you know, at the end of the season, but, but for now, uh, like, Hey, we're, we're leaving this episode feeling good about things. We're headed in the right direction. Uh, you know, we'll see what the, the next episode brings, but for right now, feeling good, feeling confident. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, any, any final thoughts on, on this episode, uh, before we wrap her up here, Duncan? Um, just uh, once again, thank you very much for the very warm response we got coming back, especially to do the X Files, but just generally us back to doing podcasting. I did note that there are, there seems to be renewed appetite for a Duncan and Bo Winter Beast group viewing that seems to be picking up a bit of pace again. Um, it will happen. Uh, we'll just sort something that makes logical sense between the two of us, and it will be well communicated in advance. Of so as many people as possible. I was surprised to see so many people that checked out uh, your Morbid Monday video um, have not seen that movie yet. So that means that we have not been doing our job right, Bo. Um, so we need to rectify that. And yeah, we are with you for the next eight weeks of X-Files. So even if we are at times being a bit down on where the show's going or where things are going, hopefully you're having as much fun listening as we are recording because tonight's been a blast. Yes, it has been a fine time for all. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I would also just, you know, uh, echo the thanks uh, for listening. Uh, we, we certainly do appreciate it. And uh, check out all the other shows over here on legionpodcasts.com. Uh, drop us a line either at the uh, Legion Podcast face group, uh, face group, Facebook group page. <laughs> Um, multi, multi likes our face look page. <laughs> Hi. Hi. Um, <laughs> so, uh, drop a line there or over at, uh, the podcast under the stairs and, uh, let us know what you think of the show, what you'd like to hear. Uh, it kind of doesn't matter cause we've got a schedule, uh, already this year. So <laughs> just sit back and enjoy it really. Um, but, uh, yeah, man, this is, uh, episode two. We got eight to go. Uh, we'll be back next week with more Duncan and Bo go to the X files. Uh, say good night, Duncan. Good night, Duncan. Good night.
I'll bet you I'm gonna be 